Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. I need to lose at least 20 pounds, and it is so difficult. When I was younger, I could lose five pounds in a week just by eating a little bit less. But now, you know, I really am tempted by those advertisements for products that will help me lose pounds fast overnight while I sleep without exercise. But as with the recreational drugs of the 1960s and 70s, I'm wary about putting anything into my body that doesn't have some kind of scientifically proven legitimate benefit. One year ago, on December 20th, 2021, the 61-year-old wife of U.S. Representative Tom McClintock of California died suddenly. The coroner listed the cause of Lori McClintock's death as pending and it stayed that way until this past summer in August of 2022, <clears throat> when Kaiser Health News revealed she had died from dehydration, ultimately caused by ingesting white mulberry leaf, generally advertised as promoting weight loss and available in forms like pills and tea. Now, deaths from white mulberry leaf appear to be rare, and it isn't known in what form McClintock consumed the leaves, or indeed if they'd been sold to her as a weight loss aid. But her death has generated renewed concern about the lack of dietary supplement regulation. Okay, so what are dietary supplements? Well, federal law defines them as products that you take by mouth, such as a tablet, capsule, powder, or liquid. They're made to supplement, that is, to be in addition to, not instead of, what you eat. They have one or more dietary ingredients, including vitamins, minerals, herbs, or other botanicals, amino acids, enzymes, tissues from organs or glands, or extracts of these, and are labeled as being dietary supplements. Herbal supplements, the ones that are sometimes called botanicals, are a type of dietary supplement containing one or more herbs. They're typically made from plants, algae, fungi, or a combination of these and sold as teas, extracts, tablets, capsules, powders, or in other forms. One popular type of supplement, often touted by physicians, is a probiotic which simply put is the good organism that prevents bad organisms from establishing themselves in our gastrointestinal tracts. That's the fancy term for our guts. The challenge, of course, is which probiotic to take and for what condition. There are numerous strains and not every one is effective for every condition. A great deal of research has been done on probiotics, but we still have a lot to learn about whether they're helpful and for which health condition. There are, in fact, more than 90,000 different supplements on the market, and estimates are that between 50 and 80% of American adults are taking one kind of dietary supplement or another. Now, we American consumers love the idea of natural and effortless, but the truth is there's a lot we don't know about these products, which while in some cases have been shown to have modest benefits, 
they can also be harmful. A 2015 study that has yet to be disproven estimates that more than 20,000 emergency room deaths per year in the U.S. are caused by dietary supplements due to overdosing that causes fatal liver or other organ damage or are contraindicated with prescribed medications already being taken. And if you're going to have surgery, be aware that certain dietary supplements may increase the risk of bleeding or affect your response to anesthesia. Sometimes the issue is that the supplement actually contains hidden prescription drugs, such as the workout energy supplement craze, which allegedly contained a form of addictive methamphetamine. The manufacturer, of course, disputed the claim, but it was still pulled off the market. In other cases, actual prescription drugs have been found in the supplements, such as anticoagulants, such as warfarin, and anticonvulsants, such as phenytoin. Another concern is that the alleged beneficial ingredient isn't actually even in the supplement, or not to any salutary effect. One study, for example, on ginseng supplements found that 12% of ginseng products procured from the U.S. weren't made from the kind of ginseng listed on the label. Another study found that a quarter of black cohosh supplements didn't have black cohosh in them. And it reminds me of when I was uh, going through menopause, I took black cohosh. And I don't know if it did any good. Even promoters of supplements themselves admit that mislabeling is a problem. It's the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, or the FTC, that regulates advertising, and it requires that advertising be truthful and not misleading. The labels on dietary supplements can't claim that the products can diagnose, treat, cure, mitigate, or prevent any disease. Claims like these are only permitted for drugs. However, some types of claims related to health or the way that the product affects the structure or function of the body may appear on dietary supplement labels if those claims are based on scientific evidence. For example, if a supplement label says, quote, calcium may reduce the risk of the bone disease osteoporosis, that is a health claim, hence the word may, as in, then again, it may not. And a manufacturer's use of the term natural doesn't mean it's good for you. And standardized or verified or certified doesn't necessarily guarantee product quality or consistency. Structure function claims describe the effect of a substance on maintaining the body's normal structure or function. For example, if a supplement label says calcium builds strong bones, that's a structure function claim. Structure function claims on dietary supplement labels must be accompanied by this disclaimer. Quote, this statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, mitigate, or prevent any disease. Unquote. The Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, a while ago, states that dietary supplements are not required to undergo any testing to make sure they are safe before being sold. Instead of the FDA testing substances in advance for safety, 
Supplements are assumed to be safe until shown otherwise. If the supplement was manufactured after 1994, the FDA is not authorized to review it for safety and effectiveness before it is marketed, as opposed to prescription and over-the-counter drugs, which must receive FDA approval before they are marketed. Once a dietary supplement is on the market, the FDA tracks side effects reported by consumers, supplement companies, and others. You can report any safety concerns you may have about a dietary supplement through the U.S. Health and Human Services Safety Reporting Portal, the link to which I'll be putting on the Woman Worthy Facebook page, along with many other resources for this topic. If the FDA finds a product to be unsafe, it can take legal action against the manufacturer or distributor and may issue a warning or require that the product be removed from the marketplace. For example, earlier this year, the FDA alerted consumers that honey-based sexual enhancement pills secretly contained sildenafil and tadalafil. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those correctly. Uh, they're the active ingredients in Viagra and Cialis. Now, that isn't all that unusual, but they can be dangerous for patients taking nitrates, which is common among those with diabetes, high cholesterol, or heart disease, since the interaction could lead uh, their blood pressure to drop to dangerously low levels. Other consumers might have allergies or sensitivities to the medications. And moreover, the FDA says it can't test all the supplements on the market. We do know that some dietary supplements do have some effectiveness. For example, according to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, studies have found that melatonin works for jet lag. But ginkgo has little to no impact on dementia and echinacea doesn't help cure colds. In fact, most research shows that taking multivitamins doesn't result in living longer, slowing cognitive decline, or lowering the chance of getting cancer, heart disease, or diabetes, while taking a multivitamin is unlikely to pose any health risks. The New York Times article on Lori McClintock's death has a sidebar entitled The Facts Behind Five Dietary Supplements. <clears throat> and this is the information that's provided on those five supplements. Collagen is one of the most abundant proteins in the body and helps form our skin, bones, muscles, tendons, and ligaments. As we age, we naturally start reducing its production. Some studies show that taking collagen supplements can reduce signs of aging, increase bone density, and improve joint, back, and knee pain. But many of these studies are small and funded by the companies behind the products, obviously increasing the opportunity for bias. Certain products also have flaws that reduce the likelihood of their efficacy. Topical creams, for example, are unlikely to make it into the deeper level of the skin where collagen is produced. <laughs> Though low levels of magnesium have been associated with various sleep disorders, the evidence for the benefits of taking it for better sleep in supplemental form is thin. In fact, most people already have sufficient levels of the mineral, which helps support immune health, blood sugar regulation, and nerve and muscle function. 
Magnesium is easy to get in foods, including from nuts, green seeds, beans, yogurt, and fish. Vitamin B6 is an essential nutrient important for the proper functioning of the immune and nervous systems. And as with other essential vitamins, the body cannot produce B6 on its own. So you can only get it from foods such as tuna, salmon, chickpeas, poultry, dark leafy greens, bananas, oranges, cantaloupe, and nuts, or from supplements. Most healthy adults get more than enough vitamin B6 from their diets alone, so B6 supplements are generally not needed. Melatonin is a hormone that is released by our brains as it starts to get dark outside, making us sleepy. Taking it in supplement form tricks your body into feeling like it's nighttime. Experts urge people to consult their doctor before taking melatonin as the supplement does not address underlying health problems like anxiety and sleep apnea that may disrupt sleep and require treatment. Lifestyle changes that experts say help us sleep better from limiting alcohol consumption to exercising regularly should also be considered first. And finally, <clears throat> vitamin D, which our bodies need for our guts to absorb calcium, which keeps our bones healthy. But a large study in the United States reported that vitamin D pills taken with or without calcium have no effect on bone fracture rates and a host of other ailments like cancer and cardiovascular disease. Even so, some people, including those with conditions like celiac and those who are deprived of sunshine, however, may find the supplements useful. There have been strong voices calling for the FDA to regulate dietary supplements. But, and that's, I found very interesting politically, it's the opposition of the late Senator Orrin Hatch, he died this year, in 2000, maybe last year, but recently, a Republican from Utah, and the um, influence from his opposition still lingers, as does the influence of the uh, supplement industry's lobbying. The U.S. Senate is currently considering S-4090, the Dietary Supplement Listing Act of 2022, which would require supplements to be registered with the FDA and to list their ingredients. But it doesn't require supplements to be tested for safety and effectiveness before going on the market. And meanwhile, the bill is sitting in committee, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. Okay, now back to my weight issue. <laughs> the FDA maintains a list of more than 200 tainted weight loss products the agency has notified the public about with hidden ingredients found in pills and so-called detoxes. And then just the other day, I met with a new primary care physician who had been assigned to me by the medical practice in which I'm enrolled. And we talked about my weight concerns. And he mentioned two prescription drugs that might help after I had uh, blood work done first. Well, not having ever watched the Kardashians, but having seen the television commercial and remembering the jingle, I didn't know that Osempic, which is advertised as a treatment for diabetes, is also being touted, apparently by the Kardashians, uh, for weight loss. 
So now I have mass marketing, social media, and a physician telling me about this product, which due to the hype is now unavailable to many who actually need it for their diabetes, and which is not authorized by the FDA for weight loss. Ozempic, scientific name SEMA or semaglutide, is in a class of drugs known as GLP-1 receptor agonists, developed for type 2 diabetes treatment by promoting insulin production and lowering blood sugar levels after a meal. When GLP-1 receptor agonists are administered, they send a suppressing signal to the hypothalamus, hypothalamus of the brain that regulates appetite. These drugs are also known to have potential side effects like nausea and diarrhea. Another semaglutide goes by the trade name of Wegovy. <clears throat> it's been touted by Elon Musk on Twitter, and it is approved for weight loss in obese people by the FDA. Possibly for the reason that it's been touted by Elon Musk, it's also currently in shortage. But here's the thing. All cautionary articles about the use of dietary supplements end by uh, a, a disclaimer, a recommendation that you check first with your health care provider before taking them. But my doctor clearly didn't have the information that I had to research myself, that the FDA has not authorized Osempic for weight loss. I had to research myself, and that is the key. Most healthcare providers don't know much about nutrition, let alone dietary supplements. You do have to do your own due diligence. For example, one recommendation is to find supplements that are USP or NSF certified. Those certifications do go by the acronym, so you have to look them up. <clears throat> And uh, another or, or attendant recommendation is aim for supplements that contain just one ingredient. All right, here are several other resources for you. You might want to hit pause here and get a piece of paper and pencil. As mentioned earlier, of course, the Food and Drug Administration and the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health acronym M-C, no, N-C-C-I-H. There's the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, which is part of the FDA, and oversees safety and labeling of supplements, foods, and cosmetics. The National Institutes of Health, which is NIH, Office of Dietary Supplements, publications and facts, um, fact sheets on a variety of specific supplement ingredients and products. The Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, which works in regulating advertising, except for prescription drugs and medical devices. Medline Plus is a service of the National Library of Medicine, and it brings together authoritative information from the National Institutes of Health, NIH, other government agencies, and health-related organizations. The Dietary Supplement Label Database a project of the NIH also has information found on labels of many brands and dietary supplements marketed in the U.S. Okay, well, 
happy uh, holiday dining. <laughs> and as for my weight issue and that new doctor, hmm, I'm still pondering how to handle that one. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.